is that I was a, a Division One athlete, right, for a team who was a MAC school, but we were ranked uh, 23rd in the nation, which is like kind of unheard of for a MAC school. And then I played with Antonio Brown, who's like one of the best receivers of all time, right? And and, and the number one draft pick, Eric Fisher. We had some success, legendary coach, Butch Jones. I was externally successful, but I was internally failing. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hello, everybody. It is Friday the 13th, which I know is uh, might, might be some bad luck for some of you guys. But I'm telling you what, today's episode is going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm coming live uh, from Denver. I'm going to be interviewing a good friend of mine. Before we jump into to his story, and I'm telling you, he's coming out with a book. One of the most amazing, authentic, passionate people I've ever met in my life, and I'm just so grateful to not only call him a brother, but to have him on the show and help him promote his message. I want to thank you all, everybody who's been reaching out. Um, I know it's been a crazy time in our country. And uh, I just want to let you all know that I, I did a special episode on Monday that's going to be dropping, that's going to be sharing my thoughts on the election, and what's all going on. And, and I just want to remind everybody that life is incredibly precious. And here at Better Wealth, we're all about intentional living. And I think this episode is going to really be special. So with that, uh, let's get let's get Daryl on the show. Um, Daryl, I don't read bios. I do want to give you a little bit of a little bit of uh, an intro here because I Go. think it's it's hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. it was meant to be. Let's just put it this way. So everyone, um, meet Daryl St Stinson. I, I got that right. You got it. You got um, it. You nailed it, it man. It's so funny having a last name like mine. I'm like I just assume everyone can't say last name. <laughs> uh, and we met, we met a, two years ago mm -hmm. and we were at this conference and it, the conference was all about helping you win stages. Now, um, I have not won a Ted talk yet, uh, unlike you. Um, and so I've, I've applied some of the things that we've learned, but we were, we were, we met the night before and I was kind of like walking around the pool, like just kind of in a, a weird way. And you were there reading and we kind of both looked at each other and were like, I wonder if. Yeah. I wonder if you're a part of this conference and I don't think we said anything. Um, and then the next day we, we connected and I just realized, man, that you have incredible desire to serve people. You're running this incredible organization and now you have this, this book, who am I after sports mm -hmm. that I think is so relevant, whether you're in sports or whether you're, whether you're not, I think we can learn so much from it. Yeah. And so, man, Thank you for being on, and it's it's a pleasure to have you on here. Man, I am excited, and uh, and yeah, you're, you're, the way you tell that story is so much better than the way I tell it. Because I tell people there's this kid walking around, and I'm like, man, somebody's lost, dude. And and then, and then the next day, and I'm like, but maybe he's here for the the, the mastermind. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, his, his kid's lost, man. And then you come in, I think we're at the same table, and you've got an assistant with you. I'm like, is he is he a, a CEO? Like, what is happening? This is like eighteen, and uh, I, and then and we talked, man, and it was one of those moments where I was like, "Yep, you know, when you find somebody who's in alignment, there's there's times, and this is for our listeners, right? There's times you're always going to meet people, and I always say every relationship has you know opportunity to leverage to do more good in the world, right? Um, but there there are certain people. 
who you don't even have to introduce yourself, talk about what you do. There's an energy you carry that's so synergistic. It shows that you've got the same values, the same beliefs, uh, similar passions. And when we talked, I mean, within like two minutes, I was like, yeah, we're, this is this this is going to be somebody I connect with beyond this meeting, not not for networking reasons, but just because there's so much alignment and synergy. And so and here we are, man. And I love it. I love it. So thank you for having me on today. This is going to be fun. And there's no bad luck today. And if you do have some bad luck, we're going to turn it into good luck in this episode. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> anyone, anyone who's uh, feeling unlucky, start listening. And, yeah. I, and I think uh, I think you're going to be encouraged and you're going to realize there's more there's beyond, more beyond luck. I think uh, just a the last thing I'll say about the pool section, I think what made it so strange is I wasn't in my swimsuit. I was just like, totally like <laughs> yeah. checking out the whole hotel. I'm not sure if you were in your swimsuit either. You were just like going reading a book yeah, by the, yeah. so we were, we were definitely both uh, weirdos. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, dude, how, if, if we were in an elevator together and we had like a hundred floors, so yeah. we were going up, how would you explain yourself in a couple minutes? Cause I, cause I know you've done, You've done a lot, mm. and and I really want to get into the context because um, I know that you're open to being vulnerable, and mm. I know that you have some stories and the reason why you even wrote this book. Mm-hmm. It's going to touch a lot of people, man. And yeah. and so, but before that, give us a little bit of context on who you are, and yeah. and yeah, yeah. So the elevator pitch, uh, I would literally say I'm Daryl Stinson. I'm from Jackson, Michigan. Nobody knows where that's at. It's an hour and a half from Detroit. Me and Tony Dungy are the only famous people from there. <laughs> and I say that because he's famous and I'm not. Uh, and I say, you know, I played Division One football and uh, planned to go to the NFL. But uh, because of an addiction to opioids, and I know we'll get into the whole story thing, uh, and because of an unexpected injury, I uh, got kicked off the football team and um, uh, had to face this darkness called depression. And uh, I survived that. And now I spend my life through speaking, helping athletes transition from sports into business um, and, and, and being a mental health advocate for people who feel like they don't have hope around the world. So there's a way that I can share my message, my resources. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I think this is a really good year to be sharing this message. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, as you I just watched this social dilemma mm-hmm. and it, it was it shocked me how many young people mm-hmm. are are committing suicide mm-hmm. as a depression mm-hmm. and and i was just like and and you're like one of your taglines one of your messages is is um is like mentioning like being suicidal mm-hmm. and so like talk to me a little bit about that in your research and in, in the data and in, in just sharing this message have people come out of the woodworks and like shared with you stories about depression like how would you define depression and like why do you think we have so many um why do we think we struggle so much about in this area as it relates to, to 2020? <laughs> Did you just ask the loaded question? You know, how does money please work? Give it to Caleb? You 30 seconds or less. No, Caleb, just how, how does money work? You know, the, 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 the yes, yes. And yes, man. So people have reached out tremendously. Um, yeah. There's not a day at this point that goes by where I don't get some type of communication from some platform about somebody struggling with something. Yeah. Um, especially now there's people, the difference between, you know, the pandemic era right now and pre pandemic, because mental health has always been an issue. I think what's changing 
is people are now dealing with issues that they were avoiding before because the world slowed down. And so not only do you have people who have true mental illness and people who have struggled with depression their, their entire life uh, struggling, but now you've got this whole new group of people who don't know how to handle the pressure and haven't slowed down their life enough to self-care and spend time with themselves. And so they're, they're quarantined and they're like, man, I'm going crazy. I'm bored. I can't just do, do and travel and travel and travel. I got to sit. And I just found something out. There's a lot of stuff in here that I don't like. I know. And, and, and so, man, man, it is overwhelming, but there is hope. And that and that's what I'm about. Right. Is giving that hope and not just hope, but practice. So you, you talk about data. Um, 48 million Americans a year commit suicide. Wow. Wait, just to just follow up. You said 48. Yeah. Million. You said Did million? I say million. I meant yeah, dollar. I'm so sorry. Okay, it's not okay. million. There's like more than everybody's packed into America. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, we're, it's like uh, whoa, don't yeah. quote that data. Thousand. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. So for, 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 which by the way, a ton of that's a ton of people. 40, 48,000 people Americans. a year. A year in America. In America. Do you know? Are those numbers a little bit higher in 2020, or has not enough data been shown yet? I haven't seen enough data for 2020 yet. Obviously, the year's not over. Um, but 2019, the numbers were very consistent, and that's from you know, if you look at you know the World Health Organization, yep. you know these these numbers are very startling. And they're out there. Nobody really knows what to do with it. Um, and I think part of what you're doing is, is, is a solution to the problem, which is normalizing the conversation. Here's the way I always explain this, right? So nobody wants to be the, the weirdo at the room. Nobody wants to be the guy by the pool <laughs> who doesn't have their <laughs> swimsuit on, right? If you're in a church service and, and no, everyone's sitting down and being quiet and, yeah. and, 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 and hushing, nobody wants to be the person that gets up and claps. <laughs> so, you, know, you don't yeah. want to be that one person. No. That's what it's like when we don't normalize the mental health conversation. Because nobody wants to be the person that goes, hey, you know, actually, I, yeah. I've been thinking about it in my own life. Hey, I've been struggling because the social media world is built around highlights and 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 and, and, and energy and, and positivity. And there's like no like real authenticity or vulnerability that's on social media because who, who wants to read a post that says I am depressed currently? You know, like it doesn't create a lot of engagement. So what you're doing and what I'm about as well is, is normalizing this conversation. And, and what I tell people is, is when, when we do this, when we have these type of conversations on public platforms, it tells everyone else that it's okay to stand up in the room. It tells everyone else that it's okay to wear your clothes by the side of the pool. And so thank you for doing that and uh, allowing me yeah. this opportunity to share my story and to get real and transparent about it. Because here's one thing that, that, that makes me um, unique when it comes to the mental health space is that I was a, a division one athlete right, for a team who was a Mac school, but we were ranked uh, 23rd in the nation, which is like kind of unheard of for a Mac school. And then I played with Antonio Brown, who's like one of the best receivers of all time, right? And, and, and the number one draft pick, Eric Fisher. We had some success, legendary coach, Butch Jones. I was externally successful, but I was internally failing. Yeah. And I know you know this. There's people with money, wealth. I mean, the, the 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 big question is like Robin Williams, right? Takes his own life, had everything. Why? Why does that happen? Well, because it's not normal to talk about this. It's not normal for an entertainer to go, "Hey, I know you guys adore me, you want my autograph, but I actually need you right now." Yeah. 
you you ask a question on your website, and I know that this is a big part of your story, but you ask, who am I? And I, I feel like a lot of people don't know that, and, and I want to just touch on this external versus internal. The amount of young people, the amount of entrepreneurs, the amount of, you know, 55-year-old successful business owners mm-hmm. that are hedging right now, mm-hmm. that are insecure, that mm-hmm. don't have their identity rooted in something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. It's insane, man. Yeah. And and so like I it's it's interesting. I was I was connected with someone the other day who was hundred times more successful than me. Hundred mm-hmm. times like like it would blow you out of the water who this person was. Mm-hmm. And yet I I highlighted some things afterwards. I said, This person has some massive insecurities. Yes. Yeah. I, I was like, why? You have everything. Mm. <laughs> I'm I'm smiling right now because I, I I don't you don't know this but yesterday I was in a production studio and I recorded my second TEDx talk it's virtual and um it's called Purpose a Remedy for Depression but I I you know what I'm going to pull it up real quick and I'm going to spoil it um and I'm going to read a, a, a little excerpt from it because I love it. I want you to this right so I love it. Um, I, I talk about the statistics, right? That 1.4 million Americans attempt to end their life each year, right? And then I say, we've heard stories about former pro athlete, Junior Seau, world beloved comedian, Robin Williams, Marilyn Monroe, Kurt Cobain, Ernest Hemingway, Vincent Van Gogh, and other famous entertainers, athletes, politicians. And for the longest time, I couldn't understand why some of the richest, most famous, most gifted people in the world would want to end their life. Listen, this is what you're saying, a life that millions of people across the world are aspiring to live. Isn't that crazy? And then I talk about how we have medical assistance and information and wisdom. And uh, there's a suicide prevention hotline that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then you got social media, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Microsoft Teams, Slack, Zoom. You've got so many ways to stay connected. And this is kind of going to your point about the social dilemma. But yeah, we're so disconnected to the point where we feel alone. And I'm like, how can this happen? How can somebody with money, resources, and, and there's two reasons why I feel like it happened. Number one, for a guy like you're describing who's rich, who, who has access to uh, any type of relationship, who can call some of the best counselors or psychiatrists in the world, the reason why it doesn't happen is because it's not normal. <laughs> it's normal to talk about wealth. It's not normal to talk about mental health. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The second reason as it relates to my work with athletes is I believe athletes are crying out for help. They know they have issues, same thing with veterans, but the part, the, 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 tr- the, the problem with a guy like, let's say Michael Phelps, who has everything, who has been vocal about his depression, his mental health struggles. I believe it's because he hasn't, he hasn't read, he hasn't read this book <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not saying it'll save his life, but I'm saying I tapped into an element that was missing from the mental health landscape, which is athlete identity. And people know that it exists. Athlete identity is the degree to which an athlete identifies with their role as an athlete. Okay, so the more that I see myself as an athlete and I don't have a more holistic view of my identity, the more likely it is that I will struggle with depression, anxiety, bankruptcy, all the things that we see that that people in transition face. Hmm. And we know that. But our cure for that is traditional mental health practices. Hmm. Traditional mental health practices are, are, are great. You should journal, you should meditate, you should talk, you should see a counselor. I do all of that. Take medication if you need it. But what's missing is how do you cure athlete identity? That's why I wrote this book. 
Let's- <laughs> Seriously, that's why I wrote this book. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. I'm not trying to like you know, go buy the book, please. Right. But but my main heart in the first like two chapters is this. You have to detach your idea. So if, if, if all the solutions uh, and mental health best practices is on the other wall of this athlete identity, it doesn't matter how great they are because you got to get over the wall. So the first two chapters helps you bring down that wall. So is the is that is that concept very much like you, people see you as this high performer, this achiever, yeah. and so you feel like you have to keep that up and you can't be vulnerable or share how you're actually doing? Is that is that what you're addressing? I'm addressing that, but more importantly, because we know that this is an internal battle. Yep. I'm addressing their desire to prove to other people how good they could have been. So one of the strategies is this: you have to stop talking about your potential. You have to start talking about your accomplishments. There's a name an athlete, ask them about their athletic career. Here's what's going to happen. The the longer you know them, the more the better athlete they become. <laughs> you ready? They went from, hey, man, and you know, I used to run a four eight to man. I ran a four six, man. I, next thing you know, I ran a four three. And then they were the best thing like since Michael Jordan. Right. And they just keep getting better. Why, 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 why? Because they may have had the potential to be that, but that's not what they actually achieved. And here's what happens when you talk about potential, Caleb, when you talk about potential, and this applies to anybody in any industry, when you talk about what should have, could have, would have been, that produces regret, which is a negative energy. But when you talk about accomplishments, what you actually achieved, that creates excitement, a positive energy, small shift, huge difference in results. For Daryl Stinson, I, and I say this in the book, all I was bragging about is how I play with Antonio Brown and how Eric Fisher went number one. He was offensive tackle and I was a defensive end. So I'm the reason why he went number one. I still, I still believe that. <laughs> and I'm talking about who I could have been. And I played against Brandon Jennings, who's in the NBA. Like, like this is me. You guys don't understand. I was ranked number uh, three uh, preseason for Mr. Basketball. You know who was number one? Draymond Green. Mm. Right. And so in my book, I talk about this. I'm, I was just going around telling these people, look, I played against this guy. I was good. I scored this many points. Yeah. Against guy. Da, 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 da. And I'm talking about my potential. And then here's where I had the shift. I had somebody who was a, a all-American running back um, who I respect highly. He came to me. He said, man, if you wouldn't have got hurt, dude, you would have been like like a beast. Like you would have been like one of the best defensive ends to ever play the game of football. And I was like, whoa. So he validated my ability. And I thought that's what I was looking for. But here's the problem. I wasn't trying to convince other people. I was trying to convince myself. And two weeks later, here I go again, bragging, 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 bragging. And I never felt like I was good enough because I never measured up to my potential. But when I started to celebrate my accomplishments, when I started to look at the plays that I was able to make, the experiences I was able to have, I got to travel the world on a pri- like private airplane because they were it out for the whole football team. I played at the University of Georgia where they had a sold-out stadium against Matthew Stafford and Massacoy and, and some, of the, some of the greatest athletes, right? I had all these experiences, and I had this network. I've Listen, I've reached – a place in my industry as an athlete that only 5% of athletes reach to make it to college division one. Listen to how exciting that is. Accomplishments bring it. And you can do that with any area of your life. The quickest way to shift yourself out of depression is to change your focus. Easiest way. Listen, I can make everybody watching this depressed right now. (laughs) 
Think about someone that you love that you lost. Think about the failures you made in life that you can't take back. Think about the people you hurt. Think about people who hurt you. You think about that long enough, you're going to be depressed. <laughs> what? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit. Come on. Come with it. So I am very much in the future. Yes. But, but it's less of a, like I, I left a really secure gig. Mm-hmm. 21 years old to start something that everyone thought I was going to be crazy to start. Yep. And I looked myself in the mirror and said, I just, I'm not going to regret life. And I would, would have. And so I, so I've, you look at someone like me, I do not focus a ton about a past accomplishments. And, and a lot of times I am not, I don't celebrate well. I don't vacation well, um, which is an issue that I have, but I'm very much driven about how I see the world and how I how decisions today can impact that, but it's not necessarily. And this is not my high horse here. It's not necessarily that I'm trying to do it for myself. I'm like I'm motivated to show up today powerfully, so that the future will will look brighter. What are, what's your contrast? Because I'm with you yeah, on that. Yeah. It's like I see a lot of people that have regret, and I see a lot of people. Everyone, every person that needs to talk and justify and that is insecure. 100% insecure in who they are and so they're dropping names or dropping what they they've done or dropping what they're going to do and it all roots back to insecurity. So can you can you are you hearing where I'm coming from and like oh, yeah. can we talk about that? Absolutely. <sighs> Caleb, you are standing in a place where you see a world of abundance. You can talk about the future and not have any type of ill feelings towards it because there's it's possible there's yeah. endless possibilities as it relates to the book and the athlete what look <clears throat> this specializes in people who's who lost their first love i was so tempted yeah, i got to, it to call this book yeah. like like how to transition after you lose your first love yeah. because look no matter how uh uh positive or optimistic i was i could never play football again yeah I, I 100% you, you, you see the yeah. difference. So one yeah. world is you're looking at the future and you're saying, look at all these possibilities. One that is blocked. So the only thing you can do to, to bring yourself to a great mental health state is to celebrate how far you've come. Yeah. Right now, will we pivot people to a world of more than enough where they see a different opportunity where they see like, hey, this this career path that you had planned out as an athlete hasn't happened. But turn your head. Come on, come on, yeah. come on, come on, come on. And look at all these possibilities. That's where you're at, yeah. But they're yeah. there. You see what I'm saying? And yeah, so no, no. It, yeah, hundred hundred percent get that. And I and I think for so many people that do have regrets, mm -hmm. this the one concept that you dropped that was like game changer is 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 reflect back and instead of instead of living in the future, yeah, like enjoy and be thankful mm -hmm. and be like, yeah. I I love like I think gratitude has to be a part of our of our life and if it's not we're robbing ourselves oh absolutely dude you'll, you'll never be happy if you're not grateful what let's talk a little bit more about your story yeah. um i know that you that was a switch that it's like yes you you had to switch your brain from like i i could have literally been in the nfl and been a key player and made mm -hmm. millions and millions of dollars but that didn't happen nope. so you went back and and you're grateful for being one of the top five percent of people that played at such a high level yeah what what also had to happen because i know this book is more than just that concept and i know that we've talked 
And like you've literally used this words a lot of like from suicide to success. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that message, like I don't know if that was a potential title of a book that you were thinking, but like <laughs> that stuck in my head. And I, I go, man, you have a message mm -hmm. because there are so many people that that ask the question, what's what is my life even worth it? Like, what's the point? And what's your message to that? Because I'll say this, had a good friend of mine um, pass away due to suicide, never would have thought in a million years he would have been suicidal. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I really woke up to the fact that it's like never to assume where people are at. Never, never. And sometimes uh, you, I've heard it said this way. And when I heard it, I stole it because I speak and I steal everybody's stuff. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to know uh, how to build a, a speaking career, just steal everybody's thing, you know. And this 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 lady, she said to me, sometimes, Daryl, you have to check in on your strong friends, too. And I think there's this this uh, uh, weird dynamic that we have with leaders because we respect them, that we just assume that they've got it all together. And sometimes it couldn't be further from the truth. Sometimes the people who inspire us the most are the people who go home the most depleted because they spend their whole day giving out, giving out, giving yeah. out. And then they come home and have nothing in the bank. So check in on your strong friends and your leaders, too. Um, yeah, man, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, the, the two things I always say, number one is, uh, is faith. I was agnostic and then I found faith in Christ that completely shifted everything for me. And I found that in the psychiatric unit. Um, I could, I could go there if you want me to. Yes, please uh, do. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the second thing is I, I, I became a, a student. I listen, most people half step life and you know, this, you know, this, if you start this financial freedom journey, there's no half stepping. You're all in and you're all out. Right. Not saying that there's not redemption and things like that, but you can't like kind of want to do it or you'll just won't do it. For me, I had to find what was my purpose beyond sports. There was no other option. I had to be fully convinced that I had purpose. It was the only thing that kept me from going back into that suicidal state of mind is knowing that, you know what? I didn't I didn't. Um, well, I wasn't successful at my suicide attempt. So I there must be a reason why I'm here. Okay. If I have breath in my lungs, there must be a reason why I'm here. And so it was that dedication and commitment that led me to invest thousands of dollars in myself that led me to, to, to really become like a, a super nerd. I lived in the library for like three and a half years and I studied everybody's purpose, meaning, Simon Sinek's why, Victor Frankl's, you know, a man's search for meaning, anything that was about purpose, I me, mean, Rick Warren, the purpose driven life. Like I read all of that stuff and I, it was missing stuff. Like I was grabbing pieces from everybody. Oh, a little bit of purpose here, a little bit of hope here, a little bit of purpose here, a little bit of hope here, but none of it was really satisfying my soul because I hadn't found it. It had it hadn't hit my core of my heart yet. I hadn't found my purpose. I had all this fluff stuff. And so what helped me is when I found my unique purpose. <laughs> so I believe, Caleb, that your your purpose should be as unique as your fingerprint. Mm. That people should be able to look at a purpose statement about your life and say, that's Caleb, that's Joe, that's Sarah, that's whoever's watching this, because you are that unique. And we understand this in business and business is called a what? A mission statement, mission a vision statement, statement, vision statement, unique selling proposition. What's your unique selling proposition about yourself? You mean to tell me that you can, there could be, a, I don't even know, like how, how many like financial, like wealth organizations are there? There's a bunch <laughs> of them, a thousands, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you're, and you tell me that you can still come up with a positioning statement that sets you apart from those other organizations when you do the same thing you just do it a little bit differently yeah right so if you can do that for business why can't you do that for yourself 
I believe you can. That's what I was looking for. That's what I help other people look for. That's what chapter four, I think, in this book will help you find your highest purpose. Mm. Because everyone has here's why it's, here's why it's important, Caleb. Because when you find your highest purpose, I believe that that is how you have your highest function. Yeah, 100%. 100%. If you don't know where you're going, yeah, you can, you can work incredibly hard, but it's like there's always that sense of like, okay, I could be going 100 miles an hour, but what if it's in the wrong direction? Yeah. Or let me say this. Let me add to that because I agree. If you don't know where you're going, more importantly, if you don't know who you are. Yeah. More importantly, if you don't know why you are who you are. <laughs> that was worth the Dude, whole let's, podcast. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's and and I'm gonna we're gonna go a little later if you're yeah. cool with this because I want to break that down a little bit. Okay. So okay. So where where you want to go ultimately I think comes the thirdly, that's a word, because if you don't know who you are and why you are. So how do you break that down? Because that I'm I'm fascinated by that because as at better wealth, you can see me getting excited. Oh, yeah, we yeah. are literally helping people live intentionally, but if you don't even know what intentional living is, what's the point? Yeah. And if you don't know why that's important, what's the point? Now, listen, here's where you and I co-collide, right? Because I can't do what you do. But but what I can do, look, I'll just, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to my TEDx. You guys get, I just wrote this in my TEDx talk. I'm just going to read it to you, right? So this, I got permission to share this is why I'm, I'm reading it, right? We switched an uh, actress that I was working with. She's one of my clients, okay? And she thought that her purpose was to be generic, right? She thought that her purpose was to entertain, to inspire, to make the world a better place, right? But you can say that about a billion other people in this world. Right. Right. OK. So I'm like, let's get you to a unique purpose statement. So we walked her through purpose discovery process. It's in the book. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, I was coaching her. So she got, you know, she got the source. So I was, you know, helping her go deep, deeper. And she went from my purpose is to entertain and inspire to listen to this. My purpose is to help women who struggle to be happy to experience a more fulfilling life through art and conversation so that they can experience a more compassionate, empathetic, and beautiful world. You see how different that is? Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what I told her. I said, listen, I know you're going to nail your next audition because while everyone else is there operating um, and auditioning because it's their passion, you'll be the only one there operating from a sense of understanding your purpose. So here they are trying to play a role, and there you are fulfilling a role. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if we can understand that... That, that that if we can get to that depth of understanding about ourselves, I'm telling you, it'll change the world. And here's what here, people like you, Caleb, you have that self understanding. You might not have been able to put it in words like that, but I know you've done the deep work to learn yourself enough. But that's why you show up in the world. That's why you can have success. Not because yeah. like obviously you work hard, man. Don't don't like I'm, I'm sure you do, yeah. but it's because you've got a deep sense of yeah. self. In a great understanding of why, that it multiplies your what? Your what is what you do, financial coaching, consulting, speaking, whatever. It's because of the inward understanding that you are able to perform better externally. Yeah, this concept of pursue versus fulfill was like, yeah, first time I've ever heard that. But so you're saying if you have your, if a lot of people have a passion, yeah, and you're just pursuing that passion and it's, it can be kind of wishy-washy. It can be tough. There can be hard, hard times. But if you are, if you are it, yep. if you have purpose, yep. you're not 
you could still be pursuing, but what you're ultimately doing is fulfilling. fulfilling. The here. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Pursue. Dude, that's, that's big. Listen, yeah. This is why people have mental health issues, man. This is why people struggle with depression. This is why people can be successful and want to kick and throw in the towel. This is why people can have everything and still feel like they have nothing because they're pursuing something. You hear the yeah. negativity in that? I'm chasing something yeah. that I don't have. I'm chasing something that I don't have. But when I fulfill something, it's no different than, uh, you know, I sell these books, right? Amazon hosts, you know, is one of the ways I sell it, or you can buy it through the website. They fulfill the order. <laughs> yes, sir. What's the difference? When you pursue something, you're reaching for something you don't have and you'll never yep. get there. When you fulfill something, all you're doing is delivering who you already are. I'm done. Here's here's <laughs> what I want to do. And I, I'm, I'm yeah. really in. I'm I'm yeah. gonna fulfill I'm gonna fulfill on this message, all right? Okay, all right. I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. And and this this is for the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people that struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. If they were here right now, mm -hmm. and they and they said, "I am I have ears to hear, and eyes open. What should I do? What is your answer? Feel the full weight of your emotions." Emotions are a gift from God. You don't have to feel depressed about feeling depressed. Beating yourself up is sure not going to make you feel better. Let me offer you two perspectives. Number one, you're not alone. Take it from someone who is living the life that he tried to end. That I know what that darkness feels like. I know what it's like for people to say, you matter. We love you. We're there for you. And you can't receive that because it's they're just saying it because it's the polite thing to say. I know what it's like. I wrote my suicide letter. I said goodbye to my family. So I can relate. And you're not alone. But let me give you a, my second perspective. What if depression is not a curse and it's a gift? What if in the middle of your lowest state, you give birth to your greatest songs, your greatest ideas, the greatest love. I wrote my book crying, but there would be no book if there was no depression. Some of the most gifted entertainers will say at the other side of their creativity was this dark night of the soul. It's the equal and the opposite reaction. So what if depression for you is not a curse, but it's actually a gift? And what if every time you got depressed, instead of running from it, what if you rested in it and allowed creativity to be birthed in your life like it's never been birthed before? That's what I would say. And and that has such a deep meaning as it relates to fulfill versus pursue because there's yeah man i i am so grateful that you're in my life i think it's it, people ask like people a lot of times ask like caleb why do you have so much energy why do you are always smiling it's like because i randomly meet people like you <laughs> that i can that I, that I call a brother yeah and i just like i just want people to know like also who who you surround yourself with yes and very like it very it matters yes it matters um okay man second ch chance athletes.com yeah if you're watching this if you're listening to this please go to second chance athletes.com that is the best place 
to to get Daryl's book. And I'm telling you, please order this book. Think and think through people in your life mm -hmm. that need to hear this message, mm -hmm. need to hear this this conversation. Um, I want to chop that last piece up because I think that the way that you articulated at the end was incredibly powerful. And the fact that you wrote this in tears, it's like you weren't at a place. Like, I think this is a common thing. It's like, once I get to a place, then I'll start. It's like, listen, good luck. Cause that's never going to happen. Um, man, how else can people support you, your book? Like I, it's less about you. Honestly, you're just fulfilling your purpose. It's like this book can literally keep people alive. And my hope is like, let's talk about the average life that most people are living because they don't know that there's something bigger. Mm, that's that's yes. big. I mean, we talk about yeah. 48,000 people committing suicide. That's horrific. How mm -hmm. many people are floating right now? Mm. Mm. That's so powerful, man. That's so powerful. Uh, <clears throat> so the cat's going to come out the bag. I, I'm a pastor by night. Okay. Uh, one of the opportunities that I have as a pastor is to be with people through crazy seasons of life. I'm there when they're born. I dedicate their baby to Christ. Uh, I'm there when they get married. I'm there when they get divorced. I'm there when they lose their child and they have no way to reconcile that. I'm there when they take their last breath. And there's something about that. And I always say this at every funeral that I officiate, the greatest way to live out somebody's legacy or to honor someone's life is to li live out their legacy. Let me say that cleaner. The greatest way to honor someone's life is to live out their legacy. So when you ask me, what can you do for me? What can the audience do for me? My answer is live out my legacy as if I weren't here. Don't let another athlete get applauded during the game and hear silence after. Don't let another uh, military uh, veteran <laughs> go from uh, being honored and pledged and, and supported and celebrated to being forgotten. Don't let another person settle for less than their personal best. That's my legacy, man. And if, if you guys could help me do that by sharing my messages, by sharing this book, by going and buying copies for your local team, by by going through it yourself <laughs> and tapping into your highest purpose. I mean, that would mean the world to me. And I'm here to help, dude. I am. I'm like one of the most approachable guys in the world. Like the little text number that's on my Instagram, you know, people text it. It's a, it's a texting service, but I like respond to people. Like, I don't just use it to like send marketing message. Like I'm on here talking to, to a guy who just lost his son um to to suicide you know like i'm talking people through these issues and i'm not a counselor but i'm just saying i'm approachable so reach out reach out yeah and i would just say if if all you got was was clarity on the purpose statement mm -hmm. it's like could could literally be a game changer in your life and oh that that's God. those are the things like when we when we talk about better wealth what what separates us yeah, we do a lot of the same things that a lot of other people do, but we don't move forward if you don't have clarity. <laughs> and so many people skip that step because it's 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 timely, takes time. <laughs> it doesn't make us money, Ugh. but yet clarity brings a lot of it, clarity. Just you're never going to go wrong with being clear on something. And so, man, um, 
again, secondchanceathletes.com and and just re- get get this book support support Daryl's legacy. Mm-hmm. I, I love that man. I um I I need to re-listen to this whole interview to just capture what you said at the end about legacy. I actually end these these interviews with with a question that I ask almost everyone that comes on the show. And it, it is a legacy question, ironically, because mm. I'm fascinated with what you just said about like, if this was your last day on earth, like what would you say? And so the question goes like this, this is your last day on earth. You're with the people that you love the most. Mm. You can't pass on anything, not even your book, but you have one last conversation. What would that conversation consist of? I'm going to butcher this question because I, I know kind of what, you're looking for but this is my authentic answer i would literally just say thank you um you know this is the last time they're going to see me in physical form so i just be like thank you for the way that you kept me going thank you for the experience that we've had thank you for you know i'm trying to tear up because i'm really putting myself in this moment um and i would just be present because that's the greatest gift you can give somebody is presence Dude, I love you, man. I I'm grateful for the life that you're living, Thanks. and um, I know you have a you have a a journey that needs to continue to be shared with, um, and a book that is going to encourage so many people. And so, thank you for coming on my show for sharing yeah. this message. And um, if we if we can help one person, the we, the ripple effect that that has is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It really, quite frankly, blows out anything that you can do as it relates to money. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and like like I said, it would be like uh, for another time, I want to yeah. get your testimony because I know we talked about money when oh, you, before this book was even a thing. Oh, and um, yeah, yeah powerful. it's fun. Yeah. All right. Hey, love you guys. Um, um, the greatest gift you can give people like me and Caleb. Um, who have given our time and and done this completely for free and offer this content to the world is to pick one thing and do something with it. Yep. So if you're watching this, you're like, oh, that's a cool story. Please don't do that. Like, I want it to be a cool story. <laughs> but more important than the cool story, I want you to live out your story. Okay. And so take something to do with this. But it might, it might just be a little inch that you can improve. It might be another layer of understanding that you can find in yourself. And I'm telling you, it makes the world of difference. So go do something with it. I love it, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.